Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. News alert. Warning. The holiday season is approaching and you're in the danger zone of gaining 5 to 10 pounds of unwanted excess weight to be followed by the usual annual New Year's resolution to lose weight after the holidays. And then through diligent effort, you may succeed in taking off those extra pounds, only to gain them back a few months later. Or uh, worse yet, you may simply throw in the towel in disgust by the end of January, wondering why your willpower wasn't enough. And let's face it, we all get cravings, especially over the holidays. At first, we may eat because we're genuinely hungry, but once we get started, it's almost impossible to stop. Those delectable hors d'oeuvres at the office Christmas party, mom's tasty holiday spice cookies, the chocolate fudge someone sent us in a fancy box, the mouth-watering Christmas or Hanukkah dinner, and more than a few calorie-filled beverages along the way, especially on New Year's Eve. And what if there was a way once and for all to make food cravings go away, not just over the holidays, but throughout the years? Well, here's some good news. My guest, food addiction expert Griff Nielsen, uh, is, or Griff Nielsen, is here to tell us how he can help crush your food crazy, cravings once and for all. And before I introduce him, here are Griff Nielsen's qualifications. He has over 17 years as an author, speaker, and entrepreneur who has personally coached over 500 clients in health, nutrition, and mindset. His life-transforming courses and programs have been implemented in corporations, universities, and by private groups. And through his lifelong, uh, lifelong fitness personal training gym in northern Utah and far beyond through the Internet, his stated mission is to lift clients, employees, and organizations out of the ordinary and to guide them into a lifestyle of extraordinary health, wellness, and mental freedom. And he's author of the acclaimed 2017 book, Exorcising Your Excuses, Heal Your Mind, Honor Your Body, Manifest Your Dreams. Hello, Griff Nielsen. A hearty and energetic hello to a nutrition and fitness master. <laughs> well, thank you, Roy. I appreciate that. And you were making me hungry at that earlier description. A <laughs> <laughs> well, little bit it, of irony there for you. <laughs> why is it we crave certain foods and they never seem to be the ones that are good for us? Do these food cravings signal a weakness in our character or what? what's the problem there? Actually, no, Roy. It's a great question. It's actually more indicative of our natural physiological makeup. And what I mean by that is simply this. We human beings, from a primal standpoint, so think about where we came from, where we evolved, we are hardwired literally to crave certain foods. And typically, foods that are more sweetening or uh, more fattening, we have a higher inclination to crave those foods. 
because in primal years, that meant life. That meant sustainability. We never knew when a salmon was coming. We never knew when our next meal was coming. So we are literally hardwired to to crave and to eat. Well, it's hard to believe you uh, reveal on your website that you at one time were a sugar addict. (laughs) It's hard to believe that when you look at your picture and the the videos you have now and the the service you perform. Yeah, that's where a lot of the passion came from is because for half my life, I was a dine-in-the-wool sugar addict. And, uh, and to be honest with you, I still I still have a sweet tooth. I'm not going to lie to you, but I just I have it under control. <laughs> well, we are coming upon the season of New Year's resolutions, the most common of which is to lose weight. We all resolve to use our inner strength to overcome our food cravings. Why does willpower seldom, if ever, work? It always crumbles in the face of temptation. That's a great question. The reason that it usually crumbles is twofold. There's two elements to food addiction and or cravings. Uh, the first is mental. And you know, we, we all get certain derives and we get certain emotional attachments to certain foods. They comfort us. Uh, food becomes something that steps into our life in times of stress. I mean, if you think about it, if a, if a boss or if a, a loved one yells at us or if we're under a tremendous amount of stress, food gives us that emotional comfort that we begin to associate with as good. So if we are under stress and we eat a food, what we're saying to ourselves subconsciously, not consciously, but subconsciously is this is a good thing. This makes me happy. This provides relief and comfort to me. And so yeah, there's so definitely an element. I often munch on cheese crackers or something like that. There's a lot of truth to that. But what's the Absolutely. second Metal's the first. What's the second the second part goes to back to what I mentioned earlier is that we are physiologically hardwired to eat food. We, we can become physiologically addicted to food. And I'm talking just like we get addicted to drugs, just as we get addicted to alcohol. There is our, our brain is hardwired to seek these foods. It's a good deal for us from a primal perspective. So when we have foods that are coming from the 21st century that are loaded with sugar and fat uh, that provide cravings, our brain, all it cares about is, is, okay, I'm getting a really good deal. I'm getting a lot of calories. I'm getting a lot of energy. This is going to help me survive. The <laughs> problem is there's just too much of an abundance these days. <laughs> yeah, I remember in my home when I grew up, we had a well, – we could always have Pepsi only on Monday nights, and we also had a – every morning we had a special breakfast day. There was donut day and – couple of BGs, breakfast goodies, all kinds of bad heating habits that uh, were ingrained un- unintentionally, obviously, by my mother and father that <laughs> stuck, with us, <laughs> stuck with me over the years. But, well, yeah, how about absolutely. where the rubber meets the road? How can we folks of middle age convert our food cravings into new habits that serve us rather than sabotage our health and well-being? Any suggestions on that? Yes, my friend. I'm going to give you four steps that you can take, Roy, as far as what you can do logistically to to get out of craving, Bill. So without further ado, the first one of those four is you have to replace chaos with structure. Let me say that one more time. You've got to replace chaos with structure. In other words, if you leave your food environment up to chance, you're going to fail. If, if your food... If your refrigerator, rather, is loaded with sugary drinks, soda pop, 
you know, and the freezer's got ice cream in it and you've got all sorts of processed foods in your pantry, well, it creates a chaotic environment. If there's no structure to your food, if there's no plan to it. So what this really entails is that you have to start to be methodical about your food. You literally have to start to plan out what you're going to buy. And there's plenty of information out there in magazines and on the internet as far as healthy food choices. And I don't think we need to waste time there, but finding healthy recipes and taking the actual time to create a plan, you know, taking some time and it does require time to actually create and prepare the food and then have it available as far as whole food meals and or snacks throughout the week. So that they're, you're literally, uh, you're replacing chaos with a plan, with some structure within the so food. It's not a good idea just to run over to McDonald's or KFC. <laughs> yep, yep. KFC would be uh, a little bit chaotic for sure. And and there's times and there's a time and a place where you can have that. And I generally espouse the 80 percent of the food that you eat is good, clean, whole food. That's great. And then the other 20% of the time, you can let your hair down and you can enjoy the KFC. Okay, fine. So what's the second uh, step then? Stage. The second, the second step is what I call satiety eating. Okay, satiety eating, and basically what this means is you want to be able to eat foods that satisfy you, that satisfy your appetite. Now, here's the disclaimer: the foods that are part of the standard American diet, i.e., processed foods, highly sugary foods, etc., yeah. those do not provide a high level of satiety. So you want to find foods that will help control your blood sugar levels and thereby when you control your blood sugar levels, you are going to directly affect your craving level. Hmm. Now, let's make this very simple. How do you get foods that provide satiety? Generally, you want to look for foods that are giving you a very good quality fat you know, natural fat. So if you're getting a good quality natural food, you're going to get a good quality fat. You're going to get a good quality protein as well for most of those foods. So think something like salmon or think something like uh, even uh, a salad, something that's going to give you protein or chicken or or anything that's going to give you a whole food source that is going to control your blood sugar. And most of the natural foods that we eat give us a high amount of fiber, which is also instrumental in in controlling cravings as well. So getting good natural foods, and here's a good way to think about it, foods that come from the earth or from a creature that's roaming on the earth. Let's just make it ultra simple. It's something that is minimally processed. And now obviously some foods are going to have a higher degree of processing, but we want to keep it very minimal. So. That's step number two. Step number three is we want to replace our cravings with a different reward. Now, we all have cravings, and we all like to satisfy those cravings. If we take away a food, let's say, for example, we've been a bowl of ice cream before bed for 20 years, and all of a sudden, you know, we're told not to have that. Well, that creates a void. We want to be able to replace that. And most of my clients over the years that I've been in my career, I've found that if they do not replace that, that reward that they were getting from their craving, they'll fall off the wagon. So whether it's, there's two places you can really replace it with, you can replace it with food itself. So let's say for example, 
pineapple replaces ice cream or let's say raspberries replace those Twizzlers that you were eating for years. Uh, that works for some people. Other people need a little something else. They need a, an emotional replacement. Maybe it's a non-food replacement. Maybe you need to go out with your significant other on a date. Maybe it's a, a, a shopping reward. Maybe you want to watch a movie instead. There's got to be something to, go to fill that void. Your significant other. <laughs> Amen. T-rated <laughs> program, but that's, that's one that would be like, that. <laughs> absolutely, my friend, and, and and honestly, that is a great great replacement for sure. Yeah. Um, the fourth and final is you want to consume foods that you love. Now, again, think think eighty twenty. If you can have 80% of the foods coming from whole natural food sources, there's still room to have a treat. That's okay. However, if you're a severe sugar addict or you've got cravings that are unrelenting, it's probably a good idea to go away from the processed foods and away from the sugary foods 100% for a time. But in general, there's going to be a time and a place where you can have those foods. The other things that you want to remember – is you want to consume foods that really hit that palate and light you up. Yeah. For me, I love seafood. I love fruit. You know, I love pineapple and raspberries and, you know, these things, they light me up. And really what those foods do is they give me what my body is looking for. Again, remember what my original premise was is that we are hardwired to want to, to eat sweet foods, to eat fattening foods. Well, we yeah. can still have those. Let's just make sure that they're from a good source, make sure they're from a natural source. Yeah, what you say Uh, makes so much sense. But let's talk about so many a challenge so many of us face in middle age, the old yo-yo phenomenon. You know, we work like the devil and commit to losing some weight, and then we lose 10 or 15 pounds, maybe even more. And glory be, we've hit our target weight, and we we look and feel great, and we resolve to stay in shape and keep it off. But... Sadly, before too long, the excess pounds seem to sneak back in. And before we know it, we weigh about the same thing we did before. What do you and I need to do to lock in once and for all our new healthy eating habits and lifestyle? I believe the most important thing, aside from the four steps that I just gave, I believe the most important thing, Roy, is to really understand why you're trying to change in the first place. If there's not an emotional reason, so think, think grandkids, think your, think relationships, your spouse, uh, whoever, significant other. What are the emotionally compelling reasons why you should change? Now, why, if you're saying why, why to yourself, you, why would you rather look at yourself and be proud of what you see in the mirror than what you see presently? <laughs> That would yeah. be enough motivation, I would think, for some, but uh, you don't see that gut hanging out or whatever. <laughs> I think that I think you're right in the fact that superficially, when you see something in the mirror that wants to change, that it creates an emotional response. But I would take it one step further. What above and beyond you? I mean, it's got to start with you, but. Yeah. Who else are you trying to? Uh, who's in the game with you? Shall I say? Yeah. You know, is there some loved one? And really the key is to find the people that are going to evoke emotions and find those whys that are going to evoke emotion. And because when it comes down to those times where, like you said, you're at the holiday parties and the treats are there, yeah. you've got to have a bigger reason than just to lose weight. It's just not going to hold up. You've got to have an emotionally compelling reason above and beyond that. Yeah. And if you do, your chances of success are exponentially higher. 
Well, you suggest we can lose our gut by cleaning our gut. It sounds great, but any suggestions on how we can clean out our gut and get all the the filth out of our bodies? Unhealthy. Element. That is, I love. Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad you brought that up, Roy. Yes. Without going into great detail, which would probably bore us all to tears, without going there, I would just simply say this. If we can increase our vegetable intake and our fiber intake, that alone will help clean out our guts. Now, if we're now just think, think vegetables, think salads, think green leafies. Uh, I'm not necessarily suggesting starchy foods. I'm talking more of uh, the simple non-starchy vegetables that tend to get the ew factor from 90% of Americans. If we can start to increase that that veggie intake and that fiber intake, yeah. that naturally creates a sweeping motion within our gut that helps sweep out some of the bad bugs, and it also starts to give the good bugs the, the good bacteria, some food to feed on. It's called prebiotics. And yeah. another way we can do that is we can also get a good supplement at a health food store, a probiotic that will help repopulate our guts. And when we do that, uh, we, we will start to incur less cravings because when we have too much bad bacteria to good bacteria, which is a disfavorable ratio, yeah. unfortunately, that creates and causes more cravings. Yeah, well, you talk in, uh, in, on your internet, on your website about a calorie range and why this is a good first step to diet awareness. Why is it preferable to control daily calorie intake, intake within a range rather than shooting for a single daily calorie limit? I think you made a big good point on that in one of your uh, videos. I think one of the main reasons for that, Roy, is because with – with a calorie range, we're basically listening to our body. If we, if we have just a certain calorie limit, our body gets used to that. It gets, yeah. It's very homeostatic, and it will get very complacent with that. If we're trying to lose weight, if we're trying to be healthy, we want to have a range so that our body gets up a little bit, and it, it jolts our metabolism, and it helps us lose weight. Um, it doesn't necessarily contribute directly to the cravings unless we're always eating low calories and obviously our body is going to start to want to crave more energy. So a calorie range, A, it makes us very aware so that we're not dipping into too low calories, which is a traditional way of dieting. Yeah. And I will say this, the ultimate goal is never to have a calorie range. I don't count my calories. I don't even stay within a range myself. Maybe once or twice a year if I want to see where I'm at, I will. But Generally, I don't advocate a calorie range or anything like that unless we're first starting out because, like I mentioned earlier, it increases awareness. And once we have the awareness of where we're at in our dietary patterns, then we can start to make modifications. And then ultimately and eventually, we can ditch the calorie range and we can just eat intuitively. Oh, that's great. Well, we simply don't have time to go into additional aspects of weight loss. There's so much to cover, but uh, you offer this wonderful free six-week series of videos you titled The Nutrition is Life Training Series. Where can our listeners go to view those great videos? I know it's on your website. Yes, sure. If they go to llfit.com, so it's llfit.com, it's under my personal training gym tab, so they just scroll over the left tab, and then it'll pull that, and it'll just say Nutrition is Life Training Series, and they can access it from there. Yeah, that's great. 
Well, let's talk a bit about your 2017 book, Exercising Your Excuses. Uh, your book is not just about weight loss and exercise, is it? It's much more. I know the Amazon <laughs> listing describes it as a holistic-based, step-by-step approach in eradicating self-limiting excuses and unhealthy thinking patterns. And what do you mean by a holistic approach, and why is it so important that we change our mindset along with our diet and exercise routine? By holistic, I just simply put, I mean big picture. We're looking at physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual factors that play in yeah. to our everyday behaviors, good or bad. And that's really where the holistic approach comes from. And it just gives the reader a simple platform, a step-by-step system that they can use uh, to overcome a negative mindset. And I really believe, to answer your second question there, I believe that mindset is the secret saboteur, if you will. It's that stealthy, you know, little bugger in the background that's always convincing us that maybe we don't have enough time or maybe we're too old or maybe it's in our genetics or, you know, the the list runs long. It's a negative outlook on everything and coming up with excuses why we can't change or do better. Exactly, well, some, my friend. So, Self-help yeah, authors suggest that readers take a buffet approach, skipping around the, the book to those chapters that inter, interest them the most. But you advise readers not to do that and to uh, take the book strictly in order as it's printed. Why is it important that readers not jump around in your book? Because the way that it's stratified, the book is stratified in such a way that one concept builds on another, so it's very sequentially written. So if they were to start mid-book, they would be lost. (laughs) It's definitely sequential. Now, do they need to take a full 60 days to read your book? Apparently, uh, if you do the exercises and go through everything that's in there, you need the 60 days. Yeah, you'll need 60 days. And the way that I wrote it is you want to master each action assignment first. And when I say action assignment, each reader is given a step-by-step assignment on a daily basis. So if they're accomplishing that action assignment, they want to accomplish it first before going on to the next day. So I do specify in the book that it might not necessarily take 60 days. If you feel like you need more time, by all means, take it. Just be honest with yourself. There's no uh, time limit. The book doesn't self-destruct. After 60 it doesn't. I tried that, but my publisher turned it down. So, <laughs> Well, a few years ago, I read a weight loss motivational book that spent several chapters describing health hazards of being overweight, promised amazing benefits from the program. When I finally reached the good part, actual program description, I was informed I needed to travel overseas to a spa in Germany <laughs> because the prescribed medication and regimen wasn't available in the U.S., now, your book is oh, not oops. like that. <laughs> I trust it's not so costly or so unrealistic as to be out of reach of about 99% of the readers. <laughs> no. If you got 20 bucks in your pocket, you're good to go, and you don't have to travel anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, where's the best place for listeners to go to preview and purchase your uh, Exercising Your Excuses book? Best bet is most likely Amazon. Um uh, Barnes and Noble has it as well, but I, I know that it's a little bit. There's a few stores throughout that don't carry it. So your best bet is Amazon for sure. Yeah, I found it there without any problem. With that. Well, I, I, I noticed your website that you offer personal trainer uh, 
train, you have several personal trainers and offer three level of trainings. Do people have to travel to Utah to get that training, or can they do something? No, we. We do. We do. We do Skype coaching. We do holistic coaching um, distance wise. Obviously, for the personal training, that would be a different story. But yeah, as far as holistic coaching, um, uh, food addiction, yes, we offer all of that. Oh, that's great. Well, in conclusion, for a lot of us, the next few weeks will offer almost limitless opportunities to make excuses for suspending healthy eating habits over the holidays, as we put it. The unfortunate result will put on unsightly pounds that are bad for us, and then we'll beat ourselves up over that in the new year. And as my guest, Griff Nielsen, has just described, giving in to food cravings is only one symptom of excuse-making that can tear down our self-esteem, limit our potential for greatness, and mire us down in negative thinking. And if this describes you, here's a question to consider. Are you willing to dedicate the next 60 days to implementing a step-by-step but easy-to-follow approach to permanently exercise your excuses, transform your outlook on life, and build a healthy self-image you will need to love and be loved, serve both yourself and others, and to enhance your spiritual connection to a higher self or a higher being, God, however you want to refer to it. And if so, the holiday season, or for that matter, early next year, would be a great time to start. Uh, You know, what a great way to spend the holidays. You can still enjoy a warm interaction with friends, family members, and loved ones without stuffing yourself with calories you really don't need. (laughs) And I highly recommend you preview and purchase Griff Nielsen's new book, Exercising Your Excuses, and also listen to those great free Nutrition is Life videos that he has. on. And what's that website again? It's LLFIT.com, so LLFIT.com. Yeah, that's that's great. And thanks to me and Griff Nelson for, Nielsen for joining us today, and have a most blessed holiday season to you and yours. You're welcome, my friend. Thank you so much, Roy. I appreciate you. Holidays are fast approaching, and so are holiday party buffets, Christmas cookies, candies, fancy cakes and pies, all to be topped off by a calorie-rich extended family dinner. Kind of makes your mouth water just thinking about it, doesn't it? (laughs) And if you're like me practically every year, that will be followed by regret when you weigh in around December 30th, then make that annual New Year's resolution to lose weight next year. So here's the question. Is it possible this year to indulge yourself a bit over the holidays, eat whatever you want, and not gain weight? Better yet, lose excess pounds without strain and pain in the new year? Well, you may recall back on April 16th program, uh, No Diet Weight Loss expert coach Sora Vernikoff presented her simple, easy-to-implement green technique that allows you to eat all your favorite foods without putting on unwanted pounds. And I've invited Sora back to ease your mind regarding weight gain over the holidays. And to refresh your memory, uh, Sora Varnikoff is a former elementary school teacher who lost 25 pounds decades ago and has kept them off. And for more than a decade, she has helped hundreds of folks in New York City discover the secret of knowing when to stop eating. And she's author of the Amazon bestseller, Eat What You Want, Stop When You Want, 
uh, no diet weight loss program. Boy, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And hello, Sarah Brennikoff, and welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, I'm counting on that because I'm middle-aged. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all count on that. <laughs> I'm counting on that a lot, so thank you, Roy. It's a pleasure well, to you, be back. In your book's promotion, you tell us that thinking about food, not eating it, is what makes us fat. How can that be? Since we were kids in school, we're always told that ingesting too many calories, more than we can exercise off, is how we gain unwanted pounds. How in the world is simply thinking about holiday goodies put on weight? Well, when you think about food, you want to put food in your mouth, and what puts weight on is when you put the food in your mouth and chew it. And then it... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really... it go, first, first is the thought. Then you see the... First, well, it goes two ways. First, you see the food, okay, whether you think about it or it's in front of you. Yeah. Then you put the food in your hand. So it, from the thought, it goes to the hand. From the hand, it goes to the actual food. And from the actual food, it goes into the mouth. Then you chew the food because that's the action. That's the conduit. You yeah. chew the food, and then you digest it, and then there go the calories. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, how is your chewing today? <laughs> so to refresh our memories, what are the two types of food thoughts that keep so many of us weight challenged? <laughs> uh, well, um, there's two kinds of food thoughts. The first is when you receive a signal from inside your body. You know, if you're outside and it's cold out, you go, oh, I'm so cold, I need a hot chocolate. Yeah. That That's your body telling you that you want something warm. Or if you're in a tropical island, on a tropical island, you might say, gee, I need like some water, I'm feeling dehydrated. So... Or if it's you get up in the morning and you want breakfast, you think, gee, what would I like for breakfast? All of a sudden, your body tells you, hey, why don't you have some scrambled eggs? So yeah. that's when your body tells you. But outside so that clothes, isn't always bad then, obviously. If no. Tells you well, food hungry, isn't bad. Food isn't no, bad. In my true. book, I talk about people label food as bad only because they can't eat and stop. Yeah. There's no bad <laughs> food, Roy. The food that's bad is the thought process. Right. It's an over-repetitive food process because yeah. there's really no bad food. I mean, is there a bad brand of pen? It's the same thing. But, you know, it, it all depends uh, what you buy and what you use. It's a thing. Food is a thing. So it's how many times you think about that thing a day that makes it difficult. So the thing is, um, the outside food thought caller is you walk down the street, you're in Iowa, you walk downtown, you see a new pizza shop, you go, yum, I want pizza. <laughs> you know, you see a new donut shop, shop you go, gee whiz, I have to try this. We have so, a restaurant near us that uh, offers free smells. <laughs> are you serious? Well, it says that on the door, free smells. Do you know, I think that's they brilliant. Want smell to draw you inside to you know, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I, I actually think that's brilliant. I mean, I'm really impressed. They must have a station where folks can just come in and smell. I just think that's brilliant. I've always wanted to walk in the door and sniff. But, well, you know, they have, uh, I actually Googled it recently. They have some kind of device they developed in France where you can sniff cho the chocolate smell. So if you Google sniffing chocolate, they, somebody developed it, and there's no calories. Well, let's say we've been invited to a holiday party where we know calorie-rich treats and delicacies will abound. Right. You don't want to miss out on all the fun. 
And you tell us it's okay to consume our favorite holiday food. Correct, but correct. Give us the tip on what to do before the party so that we'll not be tempted to overindulge. I love that uh, suggestion you give there. Well, here's, here's the thing. The first thing you have to do, I mean, if you're serious about watching what you eat, I think the first thing everyone should do before they go to a holiday party is set an intention. Yeah. Uh, say to themselves, why? This is what I say would say to myself. Why am I at this ho- going to this holiday party? Yeah. Well, I'm going to be with people and to ha- and to have conversations and to yeah. catch. I'm not going for the food. So I think you have to decide what you're going to the party for. If yeah. you're going to the party for the food, it's going to be hard to stop. Yeah. But if unless you use my techniques. But if you go to the party and you say, I'm coming to this party because it's festive, it's holiday time, I'm going to see people I haven't seen in a while, and I want to enjoy them. So I think you have to really frame it that way. Yeah, you know. I also like your idea of stuffing your stomach before the party with low-cal foods like Right. Well, that's salary. what I call bloating. What, <laughs> what you should do is you should bloat before you get to the party. And what that means is that stuff your stomach until it's sticking out to the next state. Have a, have a salad. Have a soup. Have a, have a, a shake. Have something that really bloats and stuffs your stomach. So when you walk into that room and you see all those goodies, you'll know – when your hand wants to go for that first goodie and you really want to wait or have something else, like the main meal or something, like you'll know it's not because you're starving, because yeah. your stomach is stuffed. Yeah. You know, and, you and, and that's a drink a lot of water, too, before we consume all that beer and that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you can keep your stomach stuffed during that party, uh, then you'll eat less food because then at some point you'll go, why am I doing this? My stomach is so stuffed. Well, you've helped hundreds of people to lose weight and keep it off. Please give us your secret to knowing when to stop eating. Well, it's 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 very simple. It's called the green technique. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask you, Roy, I don't quite remember. What's your favorite food? Oh, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> I guess uh <laughs> Peanuts and mixed nuts, maybe. I'd All right, planters mixed nuts. Is that a yeah. fair? Yeah, uh, or beer okay. nuts. I love those. Beer nuts. Okay, well, we have to pick one. So beer nuts, should we choose beer nuts? Yeah, I've been eating those lately. Okay, so Roy, I want all I want you to think of your beer nuts in front of you, and I want all of your listeners to think of their very favorite food in front of them. So now, Roy, before... You're, you're going to use the green technique. Before you can have the peanut, the beer nuts, you have to ask yourself two questions. You have to ask yourself how much is enough and how much is too much. So I'd like you to take a pretend moment and ask yourself that right now. Okay, and all your listeners can ask themselves how much is enough and how much is too much of their food in front of them. So do that now. When you've decided on those two amounts, let me know. Okay, let's say enough would be one little cup full of them. I have these little green cups I put nuts in, and, uh, you know, I don't fill them all the way to the top, but I put, a you know, a fair fair amount in, and uh, okay. I'd say it's a good single serving. And okay. too much as if I refill the green. All right, so here's the thing. <laughs> so let me show you how you can prevent yourself from having the choice. Let me show you how you can have the choice not to refill the cup. Yeah. So you have this cup, you decided that that one green cup that you filled is enough. But that's not that's not how the technique works. Yeah. 
the way you just did it is the way you've been doing it your whole life. And I'm here to tell you that that green cup, what you put inside, is not enough. But to just so what. So what you have to do is now I want you to look at the bear nuts in the green cup, and I want you to take out the amount that's too much, even if it's just a little, under your fingernail. I want you to take out the amount that's too much, even if it's a scratch of a nut, under your fingernail. And I want you to do that now. Okay. I don't have them in front of me, but I'll do it. Imagine. Yeah, imagine. I want you to scratch a bit off one of those uh, beer nuts because that's going to be the amount you're going to decide is too much. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So now, now you're looking at enough because that little scratch called your marker lets you know that the amount in the bowl is enough. So let me explain the difference. You gave the when you do it your way, you give the control to the green to the green dish, but that's but that's not the way the system works. That's not enough because that green dish can change color, can cha- you can change dishes. So you're never really having enough because you didn't decide how much is enough using a marker. So whatever you eat, Roy, you must physically, that's the key. You must physically have a marker. Okay. So, and that's how you can decide how much is enough. So, let's say you count on that green bowl to stop you, but you really haven't decided it's enough on a conscious, predetermined level. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. In, instead of, but so from now on, you take the bag of nuts, put it in the green bowl, yeah. ask yourself how much is enough and how much is too much. You might be surprised at the answer. Then I want you to physically move out the amount you decided was too much, even if it's just a scratch of a peanut under your fingernail, because that's how the system works. Okay. You have to own enough. See, you don't own enough. Does that make sense to you? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. So let's say you're at the party now, yeah. and there's five desserts. So the first thing you need to ask yourself is, what do I want more? Do I want to maintain or lose weight, or do I want five desserts. But let's say you say, hey, Sora, this is holiday time. You know, don't tell me what to do. I want those five desserts. So so this is what you do. You take, you look at the dessert and you take a piece of the dessert that you decide you would like. But before you can have each, each dessert, you have to set aside a marker at a time. You think of your plate as a clock. So let's pick uh, 12 o'clock. You do dessert number one. How much is enough and how much is too much? So you move the amount that's too much to the 12 o'clock on your plate, even if it's just a drop. You go to dessert number two. How much is enough? How much is too much? You move a drop to 12 o'clock. You do that for all five desserts. So now this is what you're looking at. You're looking at five desserts, each of which you decided was enough, only because you set aside a little bit of each that you decided was too much at 12 o'clock. Now, enjoy the cake, Roy, because you decided how much was enough. You manage the cake in this new way, and you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you laughing? No, I just, it it makes a lot of sense to me, but... uh... Well, of course, of course. I I mean, I developed this program from scratch because in all my decades of journaling, uh, what I realized is that nothing I ate was enough. So here's here's the problem, as heard by Sora, as heard by 
as told you by Sora. The reason people have a weight challenge is because they don't have enough to eat. I call it I call it the the enough to eat food challenge. So a person without a weight so think of it this way. A person without a weight problem thinks about food seven times a day. They know that they have enough food, they can eat and stop. They don't overthink food and they don't have a weight problem. But a person who's weight challenged thinks 21 times a day about food. Uh, okay, and because they think 21 times a day about food, nothing is enough. They can't eat and stop themselves, and they have an overweight mind and a matching overweight body. But when you use the green technique, you can reduce your thinking to seven food thoughts a day because you're able to have enough and stop yourself, and what, you, what results is a non-overweight mind with a matching non-overweight body. So the reason you overeat is because nothing is enough. So once you decide how much is enough by leap, by moving your marker, then, and you're able to stop yourself, you're going to reduce the number of repetitions in your mind you think about food and your weight's going to come off and you're going to have a matching mind and a matching non-overweight body. So that's why people overeat because nothing is enough. So the antidote to that is to give yourself enough. Yeah, well, that makes total sense to me. Before we go, I'd like to summarize for listeners who may have missed it last April some of the highlights of your Amazon bestseller, Eat When You Want, Stop When You Want. You inform us that the book is not about diet and nutrition. What is the central theme of the book? I think I can guess from our conversation. But uh, Feeding yourself help? enough. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And your book is described as a workbook. What are we required to do to accomplish our weight loss objectives, and are the assignments difficult or fun? Oh, well, first of all, fun, because I'm all about fun. Yeah. If it's work, I don't want to know about it, so everything to me has to be fun. And it's very simple because all, I, all you have to do is read it and, and do the same exercise that we just did on the phone yeah. where I'll be taking you through that whole thought process. You know, pick your favorite food, how much is enough, how much is too much. Yeah. And it's the same thing, only in workbook format, because I was an educator in a former life, so it's all in workbook format. Well, that's great. Where's the best place for our listeners to go to preview and purchase your book? Yeah, well, you can go to my website, which is uh, net, or you can get it on Amazon.com or BarnesandNobles.com. And um, that's Eat What You Want, Stop When You Want, a no-diet weight loss program. Yeah. It's very simple. You can, you know, you can read the book in under two hours. I made it really simple. Well, if you heed the advice of Sora Vernikoff over the holidays, here's what you have to look forward to. The pressure is off. You can eat what you want, when you want, without worrying about getting on the scale after the holidays. And second, if you're not satisfied and you still target weight loss as a New Year's resolution, you can be confident that this time you will take pounds off because this time you will depend upon your very own internal marker and your built-in self-control rather than someone else's diet rules that don't come from your heart. And now let's have a great time over the holidays, enjoying happy food, while at the same time we avoid uh, the dread of that first scale trip next year. And certainly that's a win-win situation. And thanks to me and Sora, uh, Sora Vernikoff for returning, and you have a wonderful holiday season. You too, Roy. Take care, and Happy New Year. Yeah, and now let's all eat what we want, but not too much. And to all of you out there, may your holidays be filled with blessings and good cheer. 
Uh, tune in again next week for Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 